0: welcome to the third city christian church podcast this week's message is christmas eve at third city recorded sunday december 24th 2023 if you have a story about how god is working in your life please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org
1: well merry merry christmas it is a joy to worship with you this afternoon And we are so glad that you joined us. You know, we know there are many new faces in the room today, and we just wanna say welcome to all of you, welcome to those of you who are here, welcome to those of you who are joining us online. And if you are new, we want you to know we have services every Sunday at 9, 10, 15, and 11.30. And we have programming designed specifically for kids and students, both in elementary, middle school, all the way up, um, both on Sunday and Wednesday nights. And we would love to have you join us. Next Sunday, we have a special Sunday to end the year where we're just going to celebrate all that God has done and worship Him, and we hope that you can join us. Now, this whole month, we have been looking at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about love. And so if you're just joining us, we want to catch you up a little bit. And we've been asking this question, do we really understand the type of love that Paul talks about? A love that's patient, a love that's kind, a love that doesn't envy, a love that forgives, that doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And today we come to this final verse, verse 8, that just says love never fails and I wonder how many of us can honestly say that we believe that that love never fails I've been watching a lot of Hallmark movies okay oh yeah oh (laughs) you and me girl (laughs) I know there are more of you out there and uh, at the end of every movie I kind of have the same thought okay I'm not gonna lie and that thought is Mmm, I just don't buy it. I don't. Like, I want to. I want so desperately to believe that this perfect love could exist and everything's happily ever after. But I think if you've lived in this world long enough, you know at some point or another, love fails. I mean, all of us have been failed by some sort of love in our life, whether it be a spouse, a sibling, a child, a parent. In fact, some of our deepest wounds are tied to some of the deepest hurts of people that we thought loved us or even our own failures in love. Many of us have Christmas as a reminder of a love that we've lost. And we come in and we wanna be joyful, but the truth is we have some grief tied to this holiday. We just wanna let you know wherever you come into tonight, whether it be full of hope, or whether it be a little bit weary and doubtful, you are welcome in this space. And more than that, we want you to know that God welcomes you in this space. Your story is not a surprise to him. He knows everything you came in carrying tonight. And the beautiful thing about Christmas is this is the story of God saying, yes, this pain is a lot, And yes, it can be sad. And yes, our ache is great. And yes, the world's love has failed. But Christmas is also God saying, my love will never fail you. It will never fail you. And Christmas is the invitation from God to humanity. And his invitation is kind. It's humble. It's not proud. It hardly ever is loud. In fact, it looks a lot like a baby being born to a teenage mom without a home. And it looks like a dad who's uncertain about the future but chooses to trust God anyways. It looks like angels showing up to the most forgotten in society and saying, we want you at the party, so come on, come join us. This invitation is for you and me. And as we read this Christmas story and continue to worship, I just want to invite you right now, right where you're at, to just breathe. Yeah, it's good to breathe sometimes. In our prayers, you receive this invitation today. Luke 2 says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the town of Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about.
0: And I do want to ask you a question that goes along with what Rachel was talking about. Is there a love that will never fail? Is there a love that will not fail? She read that passage out of Luke 2, and I guess she'd probably expect that just like most churches around the world, we'd use a passage like that on a night like tonight. And, And I think the danger with a passage like that, with that story, is that it can become white noise. I think you probably know what that is. I'm a light sleeper. Anyone else? So sometimes, a lot of times, I have white noise on. It might be jazz or classical music. It it could be just the waves crashing. At least that's what they make it sound like. I don't know where they get the recording. But it might be my Bible app. And and so what happens is there's this noise that just kind of keeps us from being disturbed, you know? And I think sometimes this story is like that. It's uh, distract me from the disturbing things. Or another way to look at it is maybe we gloss over the story, like Mary, baby, stable, shepherds, great, sweet, quaint, let's get some eggnog, let's go watch what Ralphie has on this year. You know, I mean, we just go through this motion, you know, and it's like, we forget there's something behind the noise has the birth of of god's son become that we've been walking through first corinthians 13 as a church for the last month and i know many of you have been with us on that journey and kind of like the christmas story first corinthians 13 can become white noise it's so familiar and you know, we we read it at the weddings and we so many of our songs are based on love at some level. The word "love" itself—I mean, what does that mean anymore? I mean, what is our culture has things we have thoughts. Your view of love, my view of love—the word is so common in our culture that it might not mean anything. You know, I love my wife. I love my baby. I love my biscuits dipped in gravy. I mean, it's just like it's there's a gamut there, isn't there? I don't know. Maybe not. What does it mean? When I say, I love you, does it mean commitment? Um, does it mean purpose? Does it mean passion? Does it mean anything? Laura Quant, who's our, one of our staff members here, she reminded us something Tuesday. We were praying about this weekend. Or as a staff, we got together and we prayed. And, and she reminded us that everyone who walks in the door this weekend will have either experienced a failure of love or have, will have failed someone else in love. Maybe multiple times. And so you hear people, you know, just, they use the word, this, this word love, and it's so hard to know what they mean. And sometimes it's hard for me to know what I mean. Now the scriptures, it, it teaches In great deal about love with detail. It it defines it. Uh, It speaks to what it is. It defines what it isn't. And and so we've wanted to learn what the word means in the deeper sense as we walk through this Holiday Leftover series. And I wanted to ask you just to do something that we've been doing over the last month together as a church. We're going to read this little scripture together, just one verse but if you would do this and read this verse with me. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Ready? And now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, the Greeks had a variety of words that described one word. Their their language, very rich, very robust. And so this, the word love that we would use might have different, several different meanings and different Greek words to, to, to describe it. So the, the one that's used in this particular verse and in many of the New Testament verses, actually, is the word agape. And it means faithfulness, sacrifice, commitment, the deepest form of love. And the man who wrote 1 Corinthians wants to know that This is the kind of love that God presents to us and it's the kind of love that he wants us to shoot for, to aim for in our lives. It's the love that brought God into the earth in Jesus. It's the kind of love that is to mark the followers of Jesus. So when we celebrate love came down on Christmas, I think it's important for us to step back and take a look at what that meant, but also to step right into our world and live it, because it's powerful. The most powerful concept in the world today, no matter what the world's telling us, the most powerful concept is love. Now, why is that? Well, here's some things about it that maybe can help us. First of all, it's not optional. Love is not an optional quality in our life. Oh, I might, I might get around to that, doesn't work. If that's the way you live your life, you have a rotten life and you know it. As great as faith is, Paul says, as great as hope is, love it, it's it's sublime, it's the core in this poem that Paul has been refer- that he wrote and that we've been referencing, 1 Corinthians 13, early on, he says things like this. He says, "You know what? There are people who who they 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 can speak like angels. They're that good." and people will just listen to the music of their words. But you know, if they don't love people, that's just noise. He talks about how there's those who have so much faith in God, so much faith that they can move mountains. And in their day, they they had people who actually could go into places and heal people and do miracles and stuff like that. But you know, he he said, you know what, so what if there's no love involved? That doesn't mean anything, it's nothing. He said, "You know, there are people who are so generous with their gifts and with their resources, and they surrender, they even surrender their lives for causes. But you know what? If it's not with if it's void of love, it means nothing. And in our world, we know that's true because we know that there are people who will give their lives up for causes and they do it with hate. And it's worthless. It's worse than worthless. It's not optional to love." But we've seen it in our world and in our politics and in our causes. People talk about faith, talk about being surrendering, talk about, you know, giving up for others, but you just don't sense there's any heart in it that matters with love. Apart from love, nothing. In your marriage? I mean, without patience? In your politics? You know, without without being kind to people when you speak your mind, with your brothers and sisters in your family, in your church, it's not optional. It's the binding agent that makes faith and hope sing. Now, there's more to it. Agape love is, is not just something we feel. I think feeling has a part of love. I think feeling you know, expresses at some level that we have love at some point. But Paul says... That love is more like a verb that acts out. And of those of you who are either nine-year-olds or the rest of us who forgot what fifth-grade English is, verbs are action words. So he describes love using words like patient and kind, and does not—it's not proud, and it's not rude, and doesn't boast, and it's not selfish, and it doesn't hold on to wrongs, like keep records of wrongs. It's forgiving doesn't delight in evil but it rejoices in things like the truth and trusting and hoping and it's persevering and 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 he says never fails now there's a lot of things are going to fail everything else going to fail love will not fail that's what it is so when I say I love my spouse what does that mean it doesn't mean I have a feeling necessarily I, I usually do but if I don't it might mean I will continue to make it my spousal job to be more patient, and to use patience when need be. And I'm going to take another attempt at being kind, even when the last one didn't go very far. And I'm going to be civil, even when I want to be uncivil. I've got to find some unselfishness, even though right now I want to be the most selfish human being on Earth. I mean, it's staying calm. It's forgiving it's trusting it's protecting it's being tenacious for the good things in life and it never fails now I, I love this christmas story rachel read it earlier because even though it's so familiar to you like if you're a person who only gets to church around this time of year like you're thinking is there only one passage in the bible because every time i come it's this passage well you need to come more often Okay, but but here's the point. This is a pretty familiar story, and I think we get you know we what we do is we say yeah, Mary, Joseph, uh, angels, and and uh, Bethlehem, and donkey. I think a donkey was in there. There was wise men. Didn't wasn't a drummer boy found somewhere? There's a drummer boy, and you know we have this story, and we just go through it, and it just becomes this thing, you know, that we do at church and i want to tell you about a guy in the story that sometimes he, like he's the Christmas guy. Joseph is the Christmas guy. Like we don't talk about Joseph hardly any other time during the year, but he gets Christmas, which is pretty cool, by the way, except Mary gets more. Like she's top billing and the baby's there and then there's Joseph. But Joseph's a pretty cool guy. Joseph, think about this, he had his life wrecked when he found out Mary was pregnant, and he knew he had no skin in the game. So he's like, uh, I'm out, because I'm not going there. Then he found out through a, a dream that the baby is actually God's baby. Okay, I got to do something with that. So it's not an easy way to start, you know, it's like my girlfriend, fiance is pregnant. I'm not the father. What are people going to say? Oh, it's there's a divine thing going on here. I got to deal with that. And then so he's got to go to Bethlehem so he can be counted because there's a census thanks to the politicians. Hold on. They got to get their tax money, so they got to make this long trip to Bethlehem. They get there, it's not easy. There's a there's nowhere to stay, you know the story. You've heard it before. And then it gets worse. They're coming after his baby. They're coming after Jesus because he's a threat, and on top of that, here's Joseph, who's the step ki- the step parent. Like you know, think about if you, those of you who are step parents, you kind of know this. Sometimes it's hard to live up to the billing of the other parent. But what if the other parent is actually God? I mean, you think you got it rough. I know sometimes your step kids think the other guy's God, but he was God. See, it was hard, and there was sacrifice. And he and Mary, also a great deal of sacrifice, and others too. Children lost their lives because of the name of Jesus entering into the world. But sacrifice is what love is. And I don't think that Joseph was always feeling it. I don't think Jesus is all, was always feeling it when he was doing all the things he was doing on earth to prepare us for what He's going to do on the cross. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't feeling it on the cross. But he did it, because that's what love does. Love is a verb, and it acts and it works. But possibly the most outstanding feature of God little love that he wants to Im- inspire us to is it does put the needs. And interests of others first and here's the mindset of love it's the mindset that we're grabbing for it's found in actually in Philippians 2 Paul wrote a lot about this verb he said this do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another you can look around because that's what we're talking about the people in your life in your relationships with with one another in your relationship with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus this is what we're aiming for this is what we're thinking toward who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god Something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. Listen, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And that spirit is found in the spirit of Mary and Joseph, who set aside their needs, their interests, their desires, and they said yes to God, and we will do this because of your love in our lives and because we wanna love the world like you love the world. Love is the greatest tool of influence you will ever have. If you wanna change the world, you wanna change your immediate world, you wanna change the worldwide world, love is it. It really is. The greatest of all of these is love. That's why love is not white noise. And, and if you do that with your marriage, you will never lose your spouse. If you do that with your classmates or your fellow workers, it's hard to be unpopular. And if you do it in your church, you'll be irreplaceable. God's promise to you is because of Christmas, there's a love that will not fail. God's love. You know, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper here at Third City, if you're unfamiliar with our services, when we gather together, we, we share the Lord's Supper together. And uh, we do that because, well, there's a couple reasons, it's really meaningful. That's the first reason. And another reason is because the early church, when they gathered, they did this together. Now, it might have looked a little different in their day than it does today. But the principles are still there. Because Jesus has loved us into his family, into his kingdom. Colossians chapter 1 describes what this means for us. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In this moment, this central moment, we are celebrating that rescue, that great, magnificent love, that forgiveness that only God can give you. We'll all fail you in that regard. He will not. His Son, Jesus, purchased that in the loving action of the cross and through the resurrection from the dead. So Lord, as we commune today, we again celebrate the unfailing love of a God who will not quit until he brings us home. One who left his home to give us a home.
1: From the moment Jesus was conceived to the moment he walked to the cross, and then the moment he stepped out of the grave, he showed us that love is active. Love is not passive. Love is present. It's intentional. And as we prepare to leave these doors and walk out to our cars and head to our parties, we want to leave you with a challenge. And that is to take action in your love, whatever that might look like. You know, we know for a lot of us in this space, there's probably some circumstance in our life right now that even just feels impossible. And it feels like there might not be a way. But the promise of Jesus and what we see over and over again as we look to him is that he is able to make a way. And that's what love does. Love can take the most impossible situation and make a way, whatever that might look like, we want to challenge you to take a step, take a step of love. And we know, you know, we don't have to wait till we walk out these doors to do that. So often with this holiday, it gets really busy. There's a lot that's happening and it's really easy to just let this moment pass us by so we wanna challenge you right now. Um, we're gonna give you a couple minutes in this last song and we're gonna sing this last song together. But the first couple minutes, we wanna just challenge you to tell the people that you're with right now what they mean to you. Let them know that you love them. We wanna take action in our love. We wanna say these things. And more than that, we wanna live them out. And so do that with me. We're gonna do this together. And if you don't know the people around you, that's okay. You can let them know, Merry Christmas, God loves you. Friends, we are so glad that you're here. Merry Christmas, God loves you. Let's stand and greet each other.
0: Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or eleven thirty a.m. in Grand Island, and at ten fifteen a.m. in Broken Bow, on Facebook Live, and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.